Hey Swifties, welcome to a brand new episode of Swifty School, where together we walk Clownilia Street covering the latest news and Easter eggs from our fearless leader, Taylor Swift. I'm your host, Reagan Bailey, and it is enchanting to have you here. Now that we're out of the woods, let's get into today's episode. It's another great day to be alive at the same time as Taylor Swift. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. How are we feeling? We are slipping back into our post-Eras Tour depression because we are officially on our longest break of the Eras Tour since the beginning of March when tour started, and Taylor officially played 1989 for the last time in Mexico without officially owning it. I am counting down the days. We have less than two months until 1989 Taylor's version, and today we're going to be diving in to what I like to call the beginner's version of all things Taylor Swift. So whether you just joined the Swiftdom, maybe you need a refresher, maybe you joined around Reputation or Lover Era or who knows, even Folklore or Evermore, I'm going to be giving you an overview on all things Taylor Swift from the number 13 to what Easter eggs are, how to look for them, her early years of her career, where she's from, her family, and so, so much more. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Now, before we dive in today, I do want to call out that there is something fishy going on because because Taylor does have a scheduled post and has had a scheduled Instagram post for about a week now. And we got a recent post from her following the Mexico shows, thanking them, which RIP LA. Apparently she's not addressing LA, which by the way, makes me 100% think that she is either coming back or she's going to couple the LA post with some sort of announcement saying, thank you so much LA to commemorate, go watch or stream the Eras Tour documentary now on Netflix or whatever. Uh, But that aside, I'm curious. I think the scheduled post most likely, if I'm taking my clown nose off, is probably just going to be the cover, the final of the four 1989 covers, which we know we're still expecting that kind of salmon-y pink colored one. So I have a feeling that's what her scheduled post will be. And I've been checking every day for new merch, and it looks like the only merch still on the 1989 portion of the website is just the remaining cassettes or vinyls a part of the original collection. So very, very curious what we have to come with that. And then in terms of what we have looking ahead, obviously we've got Argentina happening in November, but in between now and Argentina shows, we also have the VMAs, which I've been talking about a bit on my Instagram. Those are happening on Tuesday, September 12th. And lucky for you guys, I actually happened to be in New York during that time. The VMAs are happening at the Prudential Center, which I believe is in New Jersey, which is right outside the city. So I am emailing some contacts. Thanks to one of you guys who provided them to me uh, at MTV. I'm emailing some contacts, seeing if I can score a seat because we have no idea what's going to happen. If you remember, or maybe you're new to the Swiftum, last year at the VMAs, not only did Taylor wear a Look What You Made Me Do very similar dress from the bathtub scene of her music video. It was that gorgeous silver kind of diamondy draped dress with the really cute curtain bangs and the red lip. She wore that and announced Midnight's during the VMAs while accepting her video of the year award, I think, for All Too Well. I'm very curious. I don't think we're going to get some sort of crazy announcement at the VMAs, but she does. She is up for the most awards out of anyone with eight nominations. And I have a sneaking suspicion she will sweep all of the different categories 
categories. And I just want to know what she's going to be wearing, what her speech will be, what she's going to say. Is she going to talk about Eros tour? Is she going to perform? We know some of the performers as of now, and I know Demi Lovato. I think they said BTS. So it would be a wild card to throw Taylor in there, but she's already got the dancers and she's already got everything lined up from Eros tour. So it'd be easy for her to throw together a performance, but she might be giving everyone a break. Who knows? All of that said, I digress, and I want to take you guys not back to December, but back to the beginning, which technically is December, because Taylor was born on December 13th, 1989. Hence, the number 13 being a big part of Taylor's life, and also hence, 1989, the album. Now, I knew this, but I was refreshing my memory when doing some research for this episode and Taylor's mom Andrea her favorite musician is James Taylor and to be quite frank I know nothing about James Taylor other than he was the inspiration for Taylor's name and I thought it was interesting I believe it was People magazine there was an interview with Andrea Taylor's mom years and years ago which of course I always reference things in the podcast and I send it to you guys on my broadcast channel so if you're not a part of that go to my Instagram bio or the link in the description here on the podcast to be a part of that broadcast channel where I send you exclusive links and things that I mentioned throughout the podcast. But in this People magazine or People.com interview, Andrea said the real reason, obviously she loved James Taylor and named Taylor after him, but the real reason that she wanted a gender neutral name was because she being a businesswoman working in the marketing industry and her husband being in finance, which we'll dive into later, uh, she really wanted a gender neutral name so that her child, no matter what she did, would be taken seriously because people wouldn't know if they were handed a business card with the name Taylor Swift on it, they wouldn't necessarily know if it's a man or a woman, which I thought was really sweet and interesting because my parents actually did that with my name, Reagan. Obviously, there's a president named Ronald Reagan. People don't, it's not a super common name, but it could be both a boy or a girl. So I thought that was really cool. Now, obviously, we're aware at this point, Taylor is a music lover, but she actually started performing in talent shows super early on. And from my research, it seemed like that kind of started around age 10. And she started picking up guitar shortly after that in her kind of pre-tween phase. But her first song, which I think is a little ironic now looking at what we know now, her first song that she ever, ever wrote was called Lucky You, which knowing how she leans into numerology and the number 13, I think it's really fun that her first song was called Lucky You because 13 is known to be her lucky number. Now, I feel like something we don't hear a lot, a lot about is Taylor's family. More specifically, her younger brother, Austin Swift. From what I know about Austin, other than the fact that they are two years apart, he was born in 1992. Austin seems to live kind of a normal life. You know, we obviously see Andrea and Scott Swift attend tons of Taylor's shows. They have been by her side throughout her entire career, but I totally respect the fact that Austin lives definitely a more low-key life, if you will. And the last that I heard, he was in college, which was, I think, quite a while ago. He's older than me, so... I don't really know what he's up to now. I would love to have him on the podcast. We could manifest that. I highly doubt that he would do that. But if anybody has any tea or scoop on Austin Swift, I or maybe knows him or has a connection, I would love to hear a little bit more about him. There's just not too much to know other than he's Taylor Swift's brother and they're about two years apart. Now let's talk about the lovely woman behind Taylor, her mother, Andrea Swift. Now I kind of refer to Andrea as Taylor's wing woman. And I think in a previous episode, I had told you guys how Taylor's dad, Scott, has been really involved on sort of the business side of her career. He's a finance guy. He's kind of the business brain, if you will, of the family. Whereas Andrea, to me, seems like Taylor's sort of emotional support and cheerleader, which I think we 
and I'll advocate most moms are. I did not know that she was a previous marketing executive, but one thing I love to highlight is that Taylor, while a lot of people think she's this country gal, she was born in Pennsylvania and actually grew up on a Christmas tree farm, which is so, so cool. And if you are a longtime Swifty or a fan of Christmas, you know that Taylor has a song, I think it came out in like 2021, called Christmas Tree Farm, and it was inspired by the Pine Ridge Farm that she grew up on. Now, on a little bit of a sad note, Taylor's mom, Andrea, has actually battled cancer a number of times, but Taylor has been really open with her fans. And back in the Tumblr era, if you're maybe a Gen Z or don't know what Tumblr is, it's this kind of platform I want to say if it was like if Twitter and Facebook and Instagram all had a baby. So it was sort of like more of a forum where you could go and you could write these sort of blog posts and interact with people in the comments section. You could design your page really cool. You could lean into more of the aesthetic or you could lean into more writing. It was really kind of like a choose your fighter sort of thing. I digress. Taylor used to be extremely active on Tumblr, especially in her early career days. And that sort of fizzled off obviously throughout the years just by nature. I think of Tumblr sort of not being a big thing anymore but also Taylor becoming more busy and older. But she did write in a post in 2015. I I thought this was so sad, but also so Taylor and so sweet. She had asked her mom for Christmas to go to the doctor and get just a health screening because Taylor wanted, I'm assuming, sort of that peace of mind that – Everything is all good with her family. She can go to sleep at night knowing everyone's healthy. But she did write, and I quote, I'm writing to you with an update. I wish I wasn't giving you, but it's important that I'm sharing important events in my life with you. Usually when things happen to me, I process them, and then I write music about how I feel, and you'll hear it much later. This is something my family and I thought you should know about now. She goes into talking about how her mom was diagnosed with cancer, which we know, unfortunately, Andrea has battled with for the years since. But this statement and this period in Taylor's life actually inspired the song Soon You'll Get Better, which I know is a fan favorite from many, many people. And if you're interested in the full Tumblr post, I'll make sure to link that for you guys in my broadcast channel. Now on a little bit of a brighter note, the song The Best Day, I had the best day with you today. You know that one? That's also about Taylor's mom. So she's got two different songs inspired by her mom. And The Best Day is really, really sweet. I'm going to try to dig up the video and send it to you guys, but there's a video where Taylor puts together this montage for her mom. She actually kept the song The Best Day a Secret from her mom throughout the entire recording process and then put together this really sweet sort of like iMovie home video moment and then reveals the song to her mom. I think it was on Mother's Day or maybe her birthday or something. Reveals the song to her mom and her mom goes, oh, that's such a sweet song. Where did you hear it? Or where's who sings that song? And Taylor's like, mom, I wrote it for you. So it's a really sweet moment. I'll make sure to find that video and try to share it if I can put my hands on it. Now, in terms of sweet daddy-o, we've got Scott Swift, which I think is such an iconic name, Scott Swift. He passes out guitars at every single show. This is not an era's tour thing. Scott has been doing this since the very beginning of Taylor's time. So if you are one of the lucky ones that gets your hands on a guitar pick from Scott, frame it, hold on to it forever because this is such a cool experience and thing to say if you are a Swifty. I know one of you messaged me that he came up to you at your Eras Tour show and you were able to get one, which I think is so, so epic. But a little bit about where Scott came from before, obviously, Taylor's break into fame. He actually worked in finance. He was a stockbroker. And if you're familiar with the company Merrill Lynch, he transitioned from being a stockbroker and then eventually became the vice president of Merrill Lynch. And he ran his own branch, which was called the Swift Group. 
I don't know much about money, but I think that's pretty cool. And the Swift group is definitely someone that I would want to do business with. Now, I don't think you even have to be a Swifty to know that Taylor is obsessed with numerology. We are constantly picking apart every number that she mentions, every number that she uses, the track list itself, and most iconically, the number 13. Now, I thought it was really interesting when I was doing the research for this. I wanted to know sort of like, what does the number 13 even mean? If you're into numerology, you probably know this, but I thought it was cool to note that the number 13 itself was known as the number of the goddess in ancient times. And I found this epic article that I'm going to be sourcing a couple times throughout this portion of the podcast where there was actually a numerologist that analyzes Taylor's use of numbers and sort of the relation of the numbers to Taylor, what they might mean spiritually and all of that. And I want to link it for you guys because if you're into that sort of thing, this was a super, super epic read. But I want to quote the numerologist and what they said. So they said, Quote, a lot of people believe that the suppression of 13 is actually the suppression of the divine feminine. In other words, the bad vibes surrounding this number mirrors how women throughout history have often been held back from achieving their full, beautiful potential. Now, I wanted to call out that specific quote because I feel like it's so on brand for Taylor. I think what Taylor brings out in a lot of us is confidence that's right on the edge. We already have it inside of us, but I think she she shows us that it's so easy to be fearless and it's so fun to really stand ground and be feminine and be wholeheartedly yourself and also be outspoken and stand for who you are and what you believe in and speak up for yourself. Speak now. And I thought that this breakdown of the number 13 and kind of how in the past it's been seen as bad, but there's actually this beautiful light to it was just such a perfect metaphor for Taylor and who she is as a person. Now, I mentioned earlier Taylor was born on the 13th of December, but if you want your mind blown a little bit, listen to this. So she actually turned 13 years old on Friday the 13th. And this is just so wild, and I had never, ever noticed this before. When she released her debut self-titled album, Taylor Swift, she released it on October 24th, 2006. Now, if you're a Swifty, been around for a while, you know that kind of week or like third week of October is when Taylor does typically release a lot ahead of sort of the holiday season. But if you add up 10 24, uh, 2006, you put together all those numbers. So 1024006, you get the number 13, which I, I put a little hee hee when I wrote the note for that because it's just so iconic and shows you that Taylor has been doing these Easter eggs from the literal inception of her career, which is, if in case you're new, this is not a new thing for Taylor. This has been going on literally since day one. Now, to take it a step further, her debut album also went gold in 13 weeks. And if you remember from my first episode, we talk a lot about Big Machine Records, boo, but I did call out that they had 13 employees when they signed on Taylor, which is so iconic. And obviously Taylor didn't have any control over that, but I thought it was cool. Now, I think I want to do an entire episode and let me know if you guys are interested on numerology and its relation to Taylor and her obsession with it throughout the years. But we obviously know that she also calls out Midnight's quite often, not only with the album Midnight's, but she talks all the time about how she is up in the middle of the night. That is when she is most creative. That is when she feels most alive. Her brain, she has all these ideas. She's constantly using her voice memos to record, et cetera, et cetera. But also the number five is really present. So if you're a new Swifty, maybe you're a beginner, maybe 
maybe you need a refresher. Track fives are known for being her most vulnerable and emotional songs. And Taylor did call out in an interview that this was actually by accident at first, but when her fans started picking up on it, that is when she started to lean into it. So if you think about some of the track fives, I know off the top of my head, like The Archer, All Too Well, Hello, Iconic, White Horse, all of these songs are obviously really emotional. And most people, if you say like, what's your favorite track five? Or I'm excited for the new album. I am so curious what track five will be like. You can see sort of the progression of emotionally where Taylor's been at every time she's released an album and those track fives, how they kind of mold and change with her age, which is a really fun thing to kind of pay attention to. So moving away from numbers, I think I could argue that is Taylor's second favorite thing to Taylor's first favorite thing, which is also one of my favorite things, which is cats. I think that this is so funny because she leans into this so much so that like you guys know her TikTok bio is this is literally just a cat account or something along those lines, which I think is hilarious because she doesn't even post cats on there, but it's just her being funny. And I noticed that in one of the videos from the Eras tour, it's Alicia Keys. She was invited to attend or maybe not invited. She attended in the VIP box. She brought her child along with her and Taylor actually wrote a note to Alicia Keys' son because they had met previously. He was very excited to attend. And Alicia Keys had posted on her Instagram story a picture of the handwritten note that Taylor had written on some stationery and had delivered to her son uh, prior to the show saying like, I hope you enjoy. I'm so excited for you to be there tonight. See you after the show or whatever. But at the top, if you zoom into the stationery, you know, it's kind of a traditional little white postcard shape and then there's a black border and at the top it says Taylor Swift and underneath it it says like singer songwriter and then it says feline enthusiast which is so funny because I, I know we talk a lot about online like Taylor is just so unserious and it's just funny to think she's just a normal person like us and I too am a feline enthusiast and I can prove that because my mom actually runs a cat rescue if you guys want to learn more about that let me know but I am definitely looking around right now for a second cat which speaking of cats Taylor has three and I think one of my favorite Eras Tour costumes that I've seen, I've seen a couple variations of this. I saw three girls at my show. They were sitting a couple rows behind me and they all had like really cute matching skirts and then they had t-shirts and they had the three names of Taylor's cats. So Olivia, Benjamin, and Meredith on their shirts and then they had cat ears. It was a really cute, simple outfit. And if you've seen that one TikTok, I think it's my favorite like Taylor kind of moment from tour where someone in like the front front row up against the stage was actually dressed as Taylor's character from the movie Cats. So if you're unfamiliar, Taylor was in the live action version of Cats, which the movie did absolutely terribly. It's nothing against Taylor. I actually never saw it, but so many people totally, totally poo-poo on this movie. But someone dressed up as her exact outfit. I think she was like an orange kind of stripy cat in the movie. And someone wore that that costume, replicated it. And Taylor is spinning around during the folklore set. She's wearing the gorgeous green kind of like frilly sheet dress. She's spinning around and she literally does like a rawr with her claws to this person in the front row. And you can see how happy it made Taylor. So I thought that was really cute. Now getting into the nitty gritty of Taylor's three cats. So they're all named after her favorite TV and movie characters. 
Meredith Grey is a Scottish fold, as is Olivia Benson, her second oldest cat. Meredith Grey is about 12 years old now, if I'm doing the math correctly. And in several interviews where Taylor is carrying Meredith and Olivia, you can see, and she's she's even mentioned this herself, Meredith is the moody one and Olivia Benson is the social one. So if you're a Grey's Anatomy fan, Meredith Grey, obviously named after the main character. And then I've never seen Law & Order, but that is who Olivia Benson is named after. And Olivia Benson is around nine years old. So she's got a 12-year-old, nine-year-old cat. And then Mr. Little Benjamin Button is a ragdoll cat. And if you are familiar with the Me music video, there's a little clip. And I think it sometimes – I don't know if it plays at the beginning of Era's tour. Maybe I'm mistaken. But you can find it on YouTube. I'll send it in the broadcast channel. Uh, Taylor is sitting with Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. She's sitting. It's like in between takes of the set. She's wearing a really cute outfit. And she's handed a kitten because she uses kittens during the Me Music video. And she falls in love. And the story goes that she did not leave set that day without Benjamin Button. She ended up just taking him home. So it was literally love at first sight, which is very on brand for the lover era. And assuming he was a kitten at that time, because he was very small, uh, that was around 2019. So you can do the math. She's got like a three, nine, and 12-year-old. Now, in terms of Easter eggs, when it comes to cats, Taylor mentions that oftentimes you will find cats throughout her Easter eggs. And I can't remember what interview it was. I've seen this many times, but she's like, if you see a cat, it's most likely just because I like cats, not because it's an Easter egg. I just like them. But who knows? Maybe it's an Easter egg too. Now, speaking of Easter eggs, if you are brand spanking new to the Swiftum and you're like, I've been hearing about Easter eggs, what are they? How did this start? An Easter egg, simple. Think about Easter. You're running around your house. You're running outside. You're looking for Easter eggs. You're looking for clues, hidden messages. That is exactly what Taylor is doing for her fans. An Easter egg is just a fun way to say Taylor is hiding something within her body of work. Maybe it's her album artwork, her photos, her music videos, her lyrics, where she references past things or relationships. Maybe it's her social media posts or her captions. Maybe it's in an interview. Maybe it's her merchandise on her website or even down to her nail polish, which we have confirmed in an interview years ago. I think it was around the lover era where she's wearing that denim jacket with all the little buttons on it. She does confirm that she frequently uses her nails, her nail polish color to drop Easter eggs, which we love. Now, if you were an OG Swifty getting a little refresher, you know that Taylor's earliest Easter egg, obviously I mentioned the date adding up to 13 for her debut album, but her earliest Easter egg that she leaned into was when you open a CD and you pull out that paper in the front with the album artwork on it, and then you flip it over and you can open it up and flip through all the different pages there are lyrics typically written out or the song titles are written out or the track list and then lyrics. So within those words, Taylor has always done this since her very first album where she capitalizes or maybe makes them bold certain letters throughout that text on the inside pamphlet of the CD. And typically if you jumble up those words or you put them in order, whichever ones are bolded or capitalized, it spells out something which might mean it's you know a hint to the next album or it's a hint for a music video or whatever it might be, but that is something you can definitely look for if you happen to pick up a CD at Target, which is one of her partners, or wherever you may shop for a CD in the future. In terms of sort of the groundwork for Easter eggs, there are really no rules when it comes to them, but I think kind of the reason Taylor has been able to keep people drawn in for so long, obviously her music is amazing, but I think she does an incredible job of connecting with her fans, and I think Easter eggs are such a genius marketing move on her point because it keeps people engaged even when there is literally nothing going on. She can make an Instagram post, and then all of a sudden there's 
3,000 TikToks made about the theories behind what time she posted, when her next post is scheduled, yada, yada, yada. And you guys know, as captain of Clownily Street, this is one of my favorite parts of being a Swifty. And it's a fun way for not only us to connect with her, but us to connect with each other, which I think a lot of fandoms typically cannot say they do. And I think that's just such a cool part of being a Taylor Swift fan. I would love to know, just on like a personal level, do they have – like how I imagine Easter eggs going down is – Taylor's team has like some dark vault that they all meet in. There's like five people. They all have to wear like all black and fingerprints to get into this room. There's like a vault with like some sort of PDF or notebook with like all of these Easter eggs written down. I know Taylor said that her team does have a PDF, which holy bajoli, if that ever leaked, that would be wild. But she, she's mentioned that they have a PDF because there are so many Easter eggs to keep track of. I think specifically in like the Bejeweled music video, she talked about that. But my question is, like, does she just come up with these for fun? Like, does she research or read books for hours and hours? Like, how does her brain work? I cannot wait for the day that she does, like, some sort of tell-all book and just kind of lays it all out there. I don't think she would ever do that until way, 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 way later in her career or uh, when she's much, much older. But I I am longing for the day to know just a, a little bit further into how her brain works because I'm so, so curious. Now, some other quick notes that I'll give you if you are a newer Swifty. This is obviously, if you haven't noticed, the most welcoming fan base on planet Earth, in my opinion. But some other things that I'll call out, friendship bracelets, we know them, we love them. But if you're like, hey, where the heck did this come from? This is a newer thing that's just for the Eras tour. I think it'll probably continue on for Taylor performances and tours in the future. But this stemmed from the song You're On Your Own Kid, which if you see it ever abbreviated, it's Yo-Yo-K. So Y-O-Y-O-K. People abbreviate it as that a lot, just to give you a little insight. But when she says, make the friendship bracelet, take the moment and taste it, I think it was an original fan project by just a girl on TikTok, which if you know who she is, definitely send me a message so I can credit her. But she had said this was something fun that we should do before the tour started. And I went to opening night and everybody was trading bracelets. So it just kind of shows like the power of social media. And I think another display of the power of social media is the chance that we do during the tour. So one, two, three, let's go, bitch, or hey, stop. You know, There's so many that we do. These have kind of morphed and changed over time throughout moments of her career. Most of them come from like live performances. So I think I told you guys about whenever we say Sydney, that stemmed from an Australia show where she filmed, I believe, what was that? Um, her 1989 world tour. So they all kind of come from different moments. So it's really fun no matter where you're joining at this moment in Taylor's career. There are just so many different things to pick up on, which is so, so cool. Now you guys know I like to end every single episode by touching on something that you guys submitted. And I have a really fun comment from Maya Z today. And she says, what do you think Taylor has planned for when she has finished all of her re-recordings? Do you think she'll release a new album and when might she release it? If she does, will she add it to the era's tour or not she has confirmed that she's working on new music and i really want to know what she's hiding up her sleeve what do you think okay maya i have thoughts as always and i think that taylor i went to marketing school so kind of turning on my marketing brain here i think taylor is going to want to ride this wave from a PR perspective, it wouldn't make sense for her to finish the highest grossing tour of all time, finish all these re-records, and then go dark, especially because she's mentioned she is the happiest she's ever been. We know she's having fun recording new music. And being that she's going to own her whole catalog, I think she's going to want to add to it instead of just 
owning it and kind of simmering in it for a while. I think the first release after finally owning all of her OG music will be so euphoric for her. And I think from what she's alluded to and hinted towards in recent interviews, I think this is going to be a massive, massive undertaking. Whether we will get a music video for every single song, some sort of short film or documentary, we know she's been leaning into film and movie and TV recently. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was even some sort of, I would love this, like a mini series maybe on like the entire recording process, the release, the, uh, maybe a studio session, sort of like long palm studio sessions. I think this is going to be Taylor's biggest moment yet, and I truly believe that because she has to put her past to rest before she can move on to the future, and I think TS11 will truly be so, so iconic, and I I don't know what, what she has up her sleeve. I think timeline-wise, based on that 112 theory that we've talked about from the amazing TikToker Nikki, based on that 112 theory, it looks like we would get something in June. And then I think we would get TS11 towards the fall of next year in 2024. And then she would lead into the Super Bowl. Maybe with T- she would sing some TS11. I don't really know. There's also some considerations to come into play when it comes to like the Grammy cutoff. Like she likes to kind of time things or align things with the cutoff of award show seasons and nominations and all of that. So I do think it's coming. I think it's coming next year. I think we're going to get it later in next year. And I think it's going to be, I I don't know why I, I say this tread lightly. I think it will be sort of a rock album. I think it will be, it'll stray away from traditional pop because this is going to have so many eyeballs on it. I think she's going to want to do something a little different and really shock people. And I think either she'll lean into like rock or country sort of folk vibes to go back to her roots. So those are my two cents. I had the jolliest of time clowning with you guys as always. And you know that my tears ricochet every time I have to say goodbye, but no fear. Make sure to join me on my broadcast channel on Instagram, head to my latest videos to watch my Swifty School recaps, and I will see you guys on the next one. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I know all too well how busy life can be, and I am so grateful that you chose to stay, stay, stay. Now just know this is me trying, and I would greatly appreciate if you took a minute to leave a review or maybe share this episode with a fellow Swifty. Make sure you join my broadcast channel on Instagram for more Swiftivities. And long story short, this love is real, and I'm beyond grateful for your support. See you next time.